Welcome to The Frontier, a podcast produced by Gun.io. Today, my guest is the developer relations team. This is the team that's responsible for taking the job ads that customers come in with and matching them up with developers. And today, my goal is to give a little peek behind the curtain on how that process works. But before we do that, let's introduce or let each of the members introduce their team. David, introduce yourself. Hey, my name is David, and I'm director of developer relations here at Gun.io. And when I'm having fun doing coding stuff, I usually do uh, AWS modern web applications, usually using uh, Python on the back end and React on the front end. Very cool. Francois, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, yeah, I'm Francois. I'm, I've been with the team for only, only a week. And uh, when I'm not working on Gun.io, I focus on architecture on the front end side from uh, the JavaScript ecosystem, and I'm also focused on management. Very cool. Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm, I'm Jason. I started when uh, Francois started, um, and I guess my favorite stack is uh, .NET stack, really, uh, AWS. Very cool. Okay. Carl, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, uh, my name is Carl. Um, I've been with this group uh, since uh, December, a couple months now. Um, my background is in development, um, mostly a Java stack. And um, it's been a very interesting time working here. Very cool. I did Java way back in the day, um, but my therapist says I don't have to talk about that anymore. So, no. Uh, <laughs> ben, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, sure. My name is Ben. Um, I'm a solutions architect, a technical team lead, um, agile advocate <laughs> for most teams. And uh, I like working on the web, web stack, uh, you know, uh, single page applications, um, APIs in the cloud, things like that. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm really happy to be part of this team making a change. Very cool. And, and, um, I did not ask you how to pronounce your name, so I'm just going to wing it and hope I get it right. Um, Julio, did I say that right? Uh, I'm from Brazil, and there we say Julio, but I'm totally fine with Julio, so no problem. Julio, okay. No, I'll try to pronounce it that way. Cool, okay, cool. tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am also new to the team. have been around for only one week as well, and when I'm not doing this talent advocate stuff, I am a lead engineer in another company, and I... I'm also on the Java side of the spectrum. Uh, still can do it, but most of the time recently, I'm doing more like management and solutions architecture too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been promoted up and bumped up the line. That's your punishment for doing your job well. <laughs> Christian, bring us home. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Uh, I'm kind of an oddball here. I'm a research engineer and uh, my stack is pretty fluid. I shift between prototyping work and research on security and distributed systems. Ooh, um, nice. I use a clean JavaScript, Node.js, Rust, Closure on the JVM. So I feel you guys on that one. Mm -hmm. uh, and recently I've been um, working a lot with dgraph and Elasticsearch, mm -hmm. um, CouchDB and, and some embedded things like LevelDB and SLED. Uh, and on the front end, I like um, Svelte and Tailwind the best. So. Oh, Tailwind, yes. Now, Christian, you're into um, security. Maybe you can help me with this problem. Can you help me reset my password on gun? No, I'm kidding. Uh, 
<laughs> Always love playing that joke. Anyhow, I'm the only one, but I love that. Uh, okay, so I'm going to throw this question out. Um, and like I have told you before, if nobody answers, I'm just going to start calling on people. Your job is to read and understand what a customer is looking for to build their next product and then match the developers up based on the developer the developer's profile that we build on the Gun.io platform. What is the number one metric that you're looking for when you select a candidate for a um, position? Of course, that it's interesting to try to put it in just a single metric because when I'm looking at things, I'm looking at lots of different dimensions, right? So um, it depends on what the job is looking for. Let's say we're looking for someone more senior. Of course, the years of experience is going to play a, a, a huge difference in there. But it, there's always the other dimensions you're looking for, what kind of background they worked with, what kind of jobs they've done before, what kind of, um, even if there's some industries that they already uh, are similar to what the client is looking for, we try to create the perfect match on different dimensions. I would say the one metric is kind of a, a difficult. It's more of a, a, a putting together a lot of different metrics and, and trying to create the best uh, match score, I'd say, uh, on my head. It's kind of difficult to, to try to explain everything that you're looking at the same place. But uh, think about this. You create a, a big table of things that you're looking for and start crossing uh, the things that, okay, this looks right, this looks right. Oh, no, his, he or she is missing this one, but it's okay. It Maybe something that they can work with. Uh, so that's how I try to, to create something that is a perfect match for the, what the client's looking for. The one thing I didn't um, say in my opening was uh, back when it was just David, um, he had to rely on me to actually help him do some of this, which is never relying on me is never a good idea. And your answer is much better than mine on that, which was a lot of gut feeling. You know, this person just feels like the right one. And um, once you started looking at the and making rubrics of we do this and we do this and we do this. I started to understand why my gut feelings were like that, but that was a lot of how I want, I went about it. Anybody else want to chime in? Yeah. You know, Kyle, uh, I wanted to kind of expand on what you were saying. It's a combination of what uh, uh, David was saying and, and what you're saying, like that gut feeling thing is, is also something that I tend to use. Like what I'd like to do, is have that conversation if possible. Like when it's possible to have a conversation with somebody mm. and understand their personality, right? Because a lot of times um, that that interview process is based on that, is about that, is about that fit, right? That yeah. sometimes somebody might not fit technically. They might have a little, you know, might not really have that technical, um, all the technical expertise that a client might be looking for, but they fit the client's culture. They fit the client's, the client feels comfortable working with that person. And I think that's, that's one of those metrics. You don't always have the option to, to, to see that or to use that. Mm -hmm. But when I have the option to do that, I like to, I like to use that um, as one of, the, one of the higher priorities. That's that gut feeling thing you were talking about, where you kind of, you know, you see this person has excitement and how, how he or she talks about their technology or their profession and what they do, that they're communicating in a way that's, that's positive and things like that, that, that uh, lets you know that, that the client would be comfortable working with a person like that. And if we're talking about just like the hard, the hard side, the hard skills, like one thing that I look for is, is um, some level of consistency over, over time. 
mm. right? Which is why our, on our platform, we have that our resume view, right? We have our work history and we're putting an emphasis on our work history where we can see some consistent, clients can see consistency over time of the technologies that someone's used what they've done with that technology and how they've grown over time. I think that's like that for me, that's one of the things that I try to look for sometimes to, to know that this person has really had some solid experience. That's valid. Yeah. Anybody else I want know. to chime in? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll add something to the <clears throat> conversation. So the way I do that, it's, um, well, no, no, we, right now we're using Hunter UI, right? Um, which is an evolving product. There's uh, quite a bit of shortcomings and, and whatnot. Okay. So, I already had a conversation with the product owner for that and made a few suggestions. But in my opinion, Hunter UI is a crucial for TTA. And given the time when we go forward and we have all these improvements incorporated, it will speed up exponentially our workflow, okay? So aside from that, the way I do it, yes. I mean, go to Hunter UI, I see people that apply for it. Now, to have an idea of who these guys are, you have to click on each one, single one individually, gather the information. The way I really like doing that, my first take is I look at notes. Is there any negative comments in there? If it is, it's a red flag, okay? If it's not, comments are great. That's a green sign for me, okay? Next yeah. thing, what I really like to do, I like to look at the, the resume, the actual attached resume, not the one that they put in the gun.io. The reason I do because looking at the resume, you already have an idea of a person, okay? It is, it is a very simplistic thing as the resume, but the question is, did they put enough time to make the resume shiny? It is not a hard. Do they have any grammatical errors? Come on. Yeah. If you put a freaking resume out the world and you have grammatical errors, dude, come on. It means when you're going to come to my company, write the code, your code is going to suck. It is, it, is, it is a reality. I know that. It is not that hard. All you have to do is install a Grammarly free, you know, free Grammarly, you know, plugin, and it will get rid of all these errors for you. Simple enough, okay? So that's a first sign for me, Okay. And I know if it's there because I have Grammarly everywhere on my Mac. So, um, well, the second thing is, yes, I mean, I, uh, it's not like I create a matrix. I tend to remember if I go through a job description, I read what they want, then I look at, you know, the skills they, they, they know. I'm, I'm very visual. So I have a second tab open on my right-hand side with the job description. I don't have to navigate back and forth. Now I look at the Hunter UI, I look at the guy, his resume. I do a quick, you know, scan with my eyes. Is matching pretty nice, you know. The next thing I look at, hey, obviously somebody working at Google, you know, all this big tech fanciness for 10 years, it's hard to get in there. So they 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 already, you know, kind of standing out of the competition. Okay. Now I also look at the portfolio. I like when the candidate they list their portfolios on the resume. Whatever, if it's a UAUX product, fine, list it. If you just do stuff on a back end. Tell me a little paragraph. What did you do? It takes two sentences. Oh, I improved the system performance by 150% because blah, blah. That's a win for me, right? So I do believe that profile completeness, a very good resume, and if we stress to the talent on that, would be much, much easier for us to garnish these candidates and present them the best way we can. I also agree with Ben's comment. Yeah, you know, 
reach out to the candidate, talk with them. On a contrary, if we do that with every candidate, it will take us infinity to present candidates, okay? So there is a, there is a very fine vertical line where when would I reach out to the candidate versus where I will not. If his resume is perfected, everything you know adds up properly on a profile, he's applying there, even if his rate is up, let's say his rate is up 10%. So I usually gonna push a candidate like that. If it's more, I go reach out to Jesse and say, hey, Jesse, what do you think? Yeah. Candidate, candidate, you know, is running about 50 bucks an hour over the, um, the upper range for the client. But Jesse is how many other candidates we have? Do they look good? I say, not really. Let's push him up, okay? So this is the process I'm using when I'm selecting the candidates, okay? And I'm so glad you did not hold back on that, you know, so I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on. Our next question. Um, if a, what if a candidate has some, but not all of the technologies that, a, um, that the client requests? Uh, what's our process at that point? Do you still present them? Do you talk to them? What? So this depends, Carl, right? I mean, if you if you temper CS experience and say they're asking you to be a polyglot, they want you to, hey, I want Python from you, I want Ruby, I want Go. I also want C++. But you look at the resume and say, hey, guy has been doing C++ for eight years. He's been also doing some Python. He talks a little bit about Ruby, okay? Then you know for me it's a Go. Because if you've been so many years in hands-on, especially when you did C++ hard code, you can pick up any freaking language in a week. That's not a problem, okay? And, and most of, most, most of the, uh, the hiring managers that I've worked in, in, in the past, they understand that. If you're very good, you understand object orientation, language is a tool, man, honestly. And it'll, it'll take you a week. Happened for me, you know, multiple times, you know. I got a job at the, at the trading company in Chicago, and I had no experience with c sharp none, zero. But they knew I'd been coding C++ for 10 years, doing transaction systems. They hired me on the spot. Okay? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Trent. So it's, it's, it's a fine line you have to draw. But on the contrary, hey, they asking you for <laughs> front-end experience, but you're only a back-end guy. It doesn't work. You cannot push those people because it's a totally different mentality, okay? So. Okay. Francois, what do you think? Uh, I would say I agree with most of uh, what was just said, but once again, I think each candidate is different and we have to take a different approach every time. And I think the main point is what is the main required uh, skill for the job? And even if somebody that has 10 years of experience can pick up uh, another language in, in a week, it's true, but there are also... Uh, an increasing number of different frameworks, different approaches to to the way we develop the web. And even if I know, I don't know, uh, if I'm an expert in, in Vue.js, it doesn't mean that in a week I'm going to become an expert in AngularJS, which has a different approach and, and requires different a different way of thinking. So I guess if it's a secondary, a secondary skill required, uh, experience is going to be enough to push a candidate. If not, I'm always going to go for the for the, um, the face-to-face uh, interview with the candidate because, like what was said, the energy and the way the candidate is yeah. is was the most important for me. Definitely, uh, good point. Anybody else want to chime in? 
Yeah, I, I pretty much completely agree with what was just said. I mean, th there's like a primary technology that's being requested generally. Th mm -hmm. There might be like a few different technologies that are like a primary skill. For those, I, I pretty much see that as kind of like a mandate. Um, for like secondary skills, then I, I, I'm a little bit more lenient on that. I mean, like was said previously, uh, if if you're a good C sharp developer or C plus plus developer, you you can pick up other things that are object oriented fairly yeah. easily. Um, so I mean, I I look at the primary, and the primary is kind of you know you have to have that. Secondary may or may not be important. It kind of depends on the other experience that they have. Yeah, yeah, and I've actually had to um, talk to Jesse if the client has requested uh, several primaries, I'm like, can we narrow it down to, to, to one must have and then a, the rest of them are really nice to have because sometimes the client can be so specific, you know, you gotta be a carpenter that is capable of using a purple hammer. You know, at that point, you're just, just kind of out there. So, hey, um, I skipped one um, and I wanna go back to it because it's a big new um, talked about resume. And in our platform, which is what we use, we, we have a view of your, your candidate profile, you, the audience, um, that includes several pieces that um, nobody else can see. But one of those is we can see your work history. And um, they, I think that's available to everybody. But we're focusing on that over the resume these days. Given that, and understanding that Zabegnu's already said it is important to him. What are the rest of y'all? Is is resume is resume important these days, or is the work history more important? And Carl, you're raising your hand, so speak up. Yeah. So uh, to me, um, they're both important, but uh, most important to me is the resume because it's always going to be there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people. If there's anything they're going to review, it's going to be that resume. Um, and also, um, you can use the resume to find some insight information, not only on the skill set, but also on the accomplishments of the candidate. I think that's very important. Um, so I feel that that is really um, what's the most important to me is that resume. Um, you know, when you don't have that, then, you know, certainly you want to reach out to the, to the candidate. And also, let's not forget that the client may not be perfect in what they need. And sometimes you do need to go back to the client and, and sort of get some more feedback, get some more information as to what the, their needs really are. Sometimes they'll just put something just to fill in, you know, just fill in the, uh, the spot. And uh, it may not be quite clear what they're looking for. So um, most recently we were working on making sure that those are well specified, but um, Yes, resumes are very important, and I'm not really in Brazil. Yeah. Okay. Can I add one more thing, Carl? Sure. So um, one of the ideas I had, uh, I had a conversation one time with David. I said, since we're growing, maybe we can look at partnering with the resume writing services. You can have your resume redone for two, three hundred dollars, depending on your budget. I'm gonna tell you quickly. I had mine redone. I hired company. I think it was. A year ago, because my resume, I mean, I wrote it. Okay, I'm not a writer. I paid them 600 bucks. They did my profile on LinkedIn. They did my resume after I published it. I could not get rid of the calls and messages on LinkedIn. 
I would be getting six to seven, you know, requests every day. It makes a freaking difference. So if we can do that, not only we can bring extra revenue, the candidates could possibly get a discounted rates. And, you know, with that, the resume would be perfected. You cannot honestly write a fantastic resume if you're a coder. You cannot. Trust me. I've tried it many times. You need a real writer to do that for you. That's it. That's how it works. That's my five cents in here. It's basically talking about investment, right? Yep. Exactly. It's it's you. If you don't invest in you, then who will? I mean, you need to have this. The resume is just presenting you to the outside world. And I can tell you, I work with many hiring managers. They, they pay close attention to the resume. Their span is three seconds or five. If the resume is trash, they just put it in a, in, in a trash can. It okay. makes a difference. Um, and and yeah, I'm going to call you Julio because I've, I've forgotten your name already. You raised your hand. You've got something to say. And pronounce your name again for me. <laughs> you know, I work with a Spanish company. I'm totally used to Julio. <laughs> okay, but, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Don't worry. So what I would say, my take on this question, I think it kind of uh, sums up also to the previous question. And the answer would be pretty much that that's why we exist as talent advocates. So we are here to gather all the information possible because some candidates, they will be able to present themselves better on the resume. Other ones will be able to do better in the work history or in the video presentation. So that's mm-hmm. why we are necessary. Uh, otherwise, we could just rely on some very good machine learning algorithm that would just, you know, select candidates based on the, the very uh, objective points. But there is also the subjective part. So we all have a strong technical background. So we have lived with different people, different developers. Then we can look at some resumes, some information and be able to try to understand a little bit more than what we're just reading or listening I think that's the, the main point of us. So together, everything also have some sort of feeling, as you mentioned, along with the objective points, and then do a good decision. Okay. I'm going to throw this one out, but um, Christian, at some point, you're going to have to answer one. So if you're not comfortable with this one, um, then you can um, hold off on that. But for those of you who have presented and the client has accepted an interview, What's the one thing or what's the thing that impresses the client the most when a developer gets to that stage? And I'm not even going to seed you with goofy ideas. I'm just going to throw that out and say, what do you think? Well, I think you have to demonstrate that you understand the client's needs. And and the best way to do that is by asking questions. If you're not showing up to an interview with great questions and showing that you've done your research and that you know, you're, you're, um, you're thinking about their problems or, you know, even the, the questions that you ask demonstrate how sophisticated you are in that specific area or, or topic. And um, th- that's how you demonstrate that you're interested in the job. It's how you demonstrate that you have some sophistication rel- relative to the client. It, it demonstrates that, um, you know, that you're, uh, you know, curious in general, that you're going to be attentive to their needs and that you're able to listen to them. And, and that's how you really start to build trust and build a relationship is, uh, you know, without that, um, the, you, you might have a great resume, you might have um, a great portfolio, but you're, you're not engaging. And, uh, you know, if you just sit there and wait for questions to come to you and give yes, no answers, 
that's not going to work very well. So show up ready, ready to ask. Good points. David? Yeah, earning trust is a big thing on, on this business. So to build up on what Christian says. So I've been to many client and talent calls. And I know our talent, lots of them, lots of people already talk to me. And I've been talking to clients every day. It gets to a point, which is amazing, that one, one instance, I was talking to a client who were talking about what they needed, their exact needs. And I just had the right person in the back of my head. Okay, you need to talk to this person. And I talked a lot about what this person did and everything, how they were a perfect match. End of the conversation, the person was hired. No interview with the client hired because I knew the person and I knew the client and what they need. So it gets to that point of earning trust on both sides, which is amazing. Excellent. Francois, you raised your hand? Yes. Uh, if I can give another perspective, because I'm pretty new with Gun, and I spent most of my career on the other side, on the client side, and I was hiring. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time dealing with companies like Gun.io, uh, companies that were sending me client, uh, candidates. And my point of view as an ex-client, I would say, uh, is that the most important part, and that's also why I joined Gun.io, is that technical approach to the hiring process. A lot, a lot of hiring companies send profiles that are sent by salespeople that have no idea what the profile is, what the, yeah. the person is capable of. They just mm -hmm. cross-match the skills that are on the resume and said, okay, this guy has been working five years as a PHP, PHP developer. There you go. And mm -hmm. what we're doing at Gun.io, I feel is very important and getting to know the candidates, getting to know their technical background and only pushing the right candidate. That's yeah. That's maybe dumb to say, but just pushing the right candidate is actually something hard to find on the market right now. <laughs> that's true. Um, I've actually been a hiring manager as well and been in that position, Francois. And you know, I, there was a time where, and I'm not going to mention the recruiter's name, but there were a, a major recruiting outfit here in the U.S., where I would say, you know, I'm building a job application and they would do a keyword match on resumes and just start sending them to me. I'd get JavaScript developers. I would get developers that have, I don't do Java on their resume. And because you're right, they're, they're the people that are talking to me are not technical. And um, that is one of the things I love about gun. Anybody else before we close this one out? Yeah. So, um, I think there is one key element here that, that we actually spend a lot of time on, and that's the, um, the presentation statement to the client. Mm -hmm. You know, it really does need to be very compelling in order to get their attention about the, um, the candidate. And, you know, in order for you to be compelling, you have to really do your research on the client, uh, on, the, on the talent the side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you really got to, you know, try and get that insight, you know, that would give them that extra punch um, for that particular individual. So I think that's a very important element. Uh, that's a good point. Um, we, when we present somebody to a client, we give them, we give the client a, a statement and uh, this is why we think they are. And I was surprised number one, at the time it actually took to locate them. I, I went in and, you know, and thinking, oh, David's nuts. This is, you know, I can knock 20 of these out in an hour and be done with it. And um, if I could get through four in an hour, four job requests in an hour and present four good clients, I would be, to me, that was a, uh, just a stellar effort on my part because it takes a lot of time. You do have to research that um, the client 
and look at all the candidates and find the one and then figure out why that's the one and everything. And it's, it's a lot more difficult than it sounds. So, okay. Hey, um, I'll go ahead. I just wanted to just, just a small, small comment. I think that you can consider it like as a team effort, right? Where the team is, is the client, us and the candidate are acting as a team because we need the client, the candidates help to provide us with the, with right information and the clear information so that we can present them correctly and accurately. Right. And we yeah. need the can the client's help to know exactly what they need and what the, what the needs are and what they really, not what they think they need, what they really need. Right. What they're really looking for. And yeah. then we, we, you know, with, with that, with their help, we can put these things together and we can be more successful. Right. Yeah. Very true. Yep, go so, ahead. Uh, again, I'm going to revert back to Hunter UI, okay? And, and, and I do believe this is crucial for us. We have to push on product, okay? And the reason being is think of a Hunter UI as a proxy between us and client. Now, when I present the, when I present the talent, and, and in my opinion, he's really good. He's a fantastic portfolio. He has a very strong work history. But then, you know, I'm finding out, hey, they didn't even interview him, okay? Now, Tell me why. I don't know why. So if they have access, let's say, to a system where they can put, you know, a little bit more comments, this is because blah, 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 maybe communication skill is not there, something not, you know, adding up for me, then I can read through it. I can make my own notes. Then, you know, I can get better. But I don't see those comments. That, that, that blue between the clients and us is not there yet. And I think it's very crucial, okay? We are technology people. We understand technology to the level that we have hands-on. So, okay, in my opinion, if the client could come back with a few comments, this means our process could improve dramatically, okay? That's what missing, that is what's missing in my opinion. And just so the audience knows, um, Hunter UI is what we call our interface that we use to combine clients and developers. And we have a custom UI, uh, a custom view of the gun app that is only available to us. And we just refer to it as Hunter AI or Hunter UI. Okay, Mm -hmm. next question. Um, What's the... I said, I phrased this wrong. Um, what's the worst thing you've ever had a developer do during an interview? And I don't mean, you know, bad, bad. I'm more looking for bad, funny type thing, or this is a deal killer type thing. And you just had to go, oh, no. And um, Christian, why don't we start off with you on this one? Oh, well, this might be too bad <laughs> relative to what you're thinking. But um, a few weeks ago, I actually had someone in an interview lie to me, straight up lie to my face about um, their education and experience. And wow. their story didn't quite add up. And I've been around a lot of academics. And, and so I started asking questions about education. It became, you know, it was like a, you know, com- you know, so what was the topic of your thesis? Complete silence. <laughs> um, that, that kind of thing is really, really jarring because, because um, almost no one does it. Um, I think, I think people, sometimes people exaggerate a little bit and, you know, there's, there's, is being overconfident is not a crime or, or a a mortal sin. Right. Um, But that one really caught me off guard because I don't think anyone has ever done that before. And and so it's a, it's a major trust thing, right? Like if, if you're, if you're stretching beyond the, the truth and, and somebody notices that it's, it's going to go really poorly for you in the future. Yeah. 
Wow, that's, I remember the discussion we had in the Slack channel on that. And uh, my first response to that uh, in my head was, somebody actually does that? I mean, I, in all my years, and, and I've hired a lot of developers, but I've never had anybody just flat out lie to me. Yeah, I've had developers tell me they're the best Java developer ever walked the earth, but, you know, we all kind of fudge things. Yeah, hey, usually usually um, developers are are terrible at selling themselves. And so yeah. if they're too polished and everything is too good, that's kind of a bad sign. Like, um, you, you know, and it, yeah, that, that was, that, that actually hurt me afterward for a couple mm. of days. I was, I was really sore about it. Um, so. Yeah. Okay. So folks don't lie. Lying's bad. Okay. David, what you got? Yeah. Also, I'd say, you know, not everyone is happy every day and with a nice smile and everything, but don't don't show up to an interview with that low energy and not excited about what you're yeah. talking about uh, showing no interest about your even about yourself i'm asking you tell me about yourself you should be excited to tell me all the nice th- nice things you've done throughout your career and you start okay i've done this this and that and <laughs> man it's mortifying and in and, and he, I, I'm, I can't remember the number of times I, I told to, to our talents and, and like this, um, please, when you're showing up to an interview with one of our clients, try to pick the best day that you're feeling more energetic. If it's, I don't know, a Friday or something like that, because it makes a complete difference to feel the kind of energy that you're putting in and the interest that you're putting into that job. So the worst thing for me is someone showing up and just like feeling like it's the worst day of their life. And it happened a couple of times already. Wow. That's rough. Yeah, um, I mean, adding to, adding to that, sorry, Kyle. I mean, no, go ahead. You but adding to that, it's like, um, this is one of the things that I that, that I feel is important about about what we do as technical talent advocates is that we're we're advocates for them, right? For 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 the talent, for the different not just developers, but we don't just deal with developers. We're also dealing with technical leads and 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 project managers and things like that. But sometimes you don't really have that 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 skill set of the ability or the comfort, you know, with video interviews and things like that. What's happening today? And they have the skill set, the technical skill set. So we we got the cantina, we got all these different tools set up that we're here to help. Yeah. And and a lot of times we offer that. A lot of times we end up offering not just help about how you fix your resume and how you put up your profile, but how you present yourself. Like you know, don't wear pajamas when you go into an interview. You know, get the lighting right, fix up your camera a little bit, make sure you have a good intent. Just the simple little things. But sometimes people just kind of don't um uh they don't realize that 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 these little things need to be attended to and we're not judging it's not a judgment thing is that we want to succeed we want to help people to succeed that's the point absolutely adding this human the human factor to help succeed so use the human factor you're not talking to a machine now you have people on the the cantina people like that you can talk to and ask for advice if you're not comfortable with how you know how your your past interviews have gone talk about it let's talk about it let's get you because we want you to succeed. That's the, that's the point. Yep. That's excellent point. And, you know, you don't have to do lighting. Like, I spent time figuring out the right lights there, and I've got lights in front of me and all of this. You don't have to spend 15 minutes tweaking lighting. Yeah, but yeah. if all you've got is a laptop and the, your camera's on your laptop and you're in a dark room, bring up a white screen on your laptop and just leave it there. That'll give enough light so that you look – 
presentable, you know, and that's all people are looking for. They don't want to be talking. They don't want you to look like an FBI informant, okay, where you're dark and everything is bright behind you. So that's an excellent point, um, Ben. Anybody else? Okay. Oh, go ahead. So, yeah, one time some, uh, uh, one one guy didn't show up to my interview, right? Uh, And then he sent me a message uh, later and he says, hey, I have not received an invite from you. I didn't see the link. Well, obviously that was a lot, okay? And I remember I I was kind of debating and I think I even reached out to Dave and say, hey, man, what do you think? And he says, I I trust you what you're going to do. So I gave him a second chance and he showed up. I started talking to the guy, but eventually, you know, I'm curious. And, and I asked him, so what happened with that first meeting? Okay. And, and I know you're not telling me the truth. So he says, he just ditched me. Okay. And because he wasn't ready, I say, so next time, next time, my advice to you is just don't lie. Tell me straight. Okay. If you tell me straight, you want to ditch me because this, 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 I'm fine with it, but don't try to be creative and try to make it that you didn't get something from me. Because Google email tells me that it did send it to you, okay? So these kind of things. So as, as Ben said, yeah, we're advocates for them. So anything that happens like that, maybe give them a little advice and, and go from there, okay? But I also believe in giving second chances to candidates when something like that occurs, okay? That's a good point. Second chance. Francois, close this one out for us. Yeah, uh, I had one, and it's pretty closely related to what we said about the, the setting behind the camera. And uh, I had a candidate that was showing on the camera, and behind him was a couple of his friends playing PlayStation on the on the couch and actually asking him questions about the game and oh, <laughs> during man. during the interview. And I mean, I know we all we all have different <laughs> situations and everything, but it, it's a minimum to at least tell people around you, "I'm gonna have an interview." please at least move the couch or something else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, all of us have had to adjust, a lot of us have had to adjust to working from home. I've been working from home for 15 years, so I didn't have to adjust, but a lot of people did have to adjust, but yeah, you know, there's some, some basic decorum. If nothing else, put up a nice background like Carl Scott or something like that. Hey, okay. Let's balance this out. Okay. Without naming any names of clients or developers, tell me about one interview that you've conducted where you really thought the developer just knocked it out of the park um, when, when in the interview. You know, they just did so good. And Carl, since you're on the beach, go ahead, kick us off. Yeah, so one of, the, one of the most interesting ones that I've had is when uh, somebody actually had the guts to tell me that I was wrong mm. um, in one of my assumptions. Um, and so I actually um, really enjoyed the finesse and how he elaborated on his disagreement with me. And so um, I think that really stood out because it's, it shows character um, and it shows knowledge, right? You know, I wouldn't purposely throw in something because I, I actually think that it's kind of a negative thing on our, my part to do that just to find out. Um, I do want him to feel comfortable with me, but every once in a while, you know, you get behind on something um, over time or you get this cute little question you throw in and it just gets out of date, for instance. And so I really do appreciate that they correct me and that they're, that they feel comfortable doing that. Um, And at the same time, you know, how they manage it um, is important. 
Very good. Somebody else. Yeah, uh, I can quickly tell about the recent uh, experience that I had. I was interviewing for a senior um, Java developer, engineer, whatever role. And mm -hmm. then I had a, um, a next candidate who was a lady and she did like so well in put so much effort into explaining every little detail of what she had done before, of her previous experiences. Uh, it felt a lot like she was, uh, how do I put this? I think women sometimes in, in our environment, they have to prove themselves more than we do. And sometimes mm -hmm. they don't really understand how good they can be because there is this kind of, I don't know. So at the end, I told HR, I said, look, I don't think she did well for software senior software engineer. I think she's for perfect for a leading position because she did very well. She was very humble all the time. She had such great experiences, but still saying in a very nice tone, you know, not being arrogant at all. So the attitude is also really important. Very good. Excellent. Okay. Next question, throwing it out to whoever wants to answer. What's the most unusual role that you've worked on? Being a TTA. <laughs> TTA is DevRel for, for those of you who don't know. Um, internally, our team technical, is known as TTA. <laughs> yes, it's technical talent advocate. Yep. Um, in some ways, you're switching roles, right? You know, you like, like I've been in the industry for over 30 years and, you know, I've been on both sides of the table, but here I'm, I'm actually an advocate, right? And in a sort of a thin line between, you know, just choosing anyone versus choosing the perfect candidate for this particular yeah. job and, you know, getting all the requirements just right from the client is also something that, that we need to work hard on and make sure that that's pretty much in there. So, um, yeah, so I'm actually trying to be honest here. Um, there is, um, I'm, I'm here as a way to sort of pay back uh, to my industry. And um, there's a lot to learn. And so here we are trying to do that. Very cool. Julio? Yeah, so I joined computer science at 17 and I've always pretty much doing something related to IT software development. So I've been a teacher, I've been back-end, I've been front-end, I've been a manager. But there was a year when I thought I would like to do something different. Mm -hmm. And then I became a franchising owner for this advertising industries. Mm -hmm. And what I had to do was to sell spaces on a um, bread bag you know in brazil it's oh, common okay. that we have this paper bags for brads and i used to i had to sell spaces for ads in these bags mm -hmm. i did so bad it was one entire year trying to do it and i had only two sales <laughs> it was at the time it was not very good also because social media was rising and people just wanted to ads on instagram and google stuff like that but it was a good experience in terms of learning selling you know other kinds of uh, uh, skills that I did not have very, very good. <laughs> okay. Um, the last two questions we have are very similar. Uh, we'll start with developers. What's the one thing you wish developers knew going into an interview? Um, Christian, go ahead. Well, don't just recite your resume and your skills. Like people have already seen that before you get there. And we've, I've had so many interviews, especially um, 
uh, here in, you know, the freelancing world where people show up and, you know, the sum of, of what they have to say about themselves is I know React and PHP and I did a little bit of Java and so on. And this doesn't tell us anything and you're wasting a great opportunity to sell yourself because, um, you know, this is, this is where you get to make that impression. And, um, the, the thing that you should know going into an interview is that there, you have a story to tell about you. And, and there are pivotal events in your career that help people to understand who you are and what you're about. Um, and, and if you know which one of, which of those events will really resonate with a specific client, you need to be ready to tell that and tell it well and tell it concisely because it's a great way to kickstart a better conversation. Very good. Jason, you got something to add? Yeah, I, I would say that I, I just wish that, you know, uh, when you're going into an interview, just make sure that you're ready to speak about uh, what you have done on your resume. What, what I used to do, um, you know, I've, I've been in the industry for 20, over 22 years, primarily consulting. And what I used to do whenever I would go to a new client or whenever I'd go into a technical interview is I, I would actually have my resume with me so I can kind of trace back on where they were at and, and kind of get back in my mind of, oh, okay, this is what I was doing at that point in time. And then I can go into a little bit more detail um, because, I mean, I, I've, I've worked at dozens of companies, dozens of clients in the past, and uh, just being able to speak to a specific question uh, that the client may have about an experience you had in the past. I think that's very important. Mm -hmm. Very good. Ben, what you got to add? Yeah, I think um, it, it, it's also around what, what Christian said and what Jason said is, is to understand that you're, you're talking to people, right? You're going to be talking to people and they're humans just like you, you know, they want to hear your story. They want to know who you are. Um, it isn't always all about tech, right? Mm -hmm. It's not always all about tech. You want to be able to speak to what you've done intelligently and, and, and concisely and maybe even, you know, give references to what uh, the client's specific um, uh, problem or goals might be, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of that conversation, a lot of that, that process is around the dialogue, the human factor, right? And yeah. um, a lot of, it, it will come, it, it hurts sometimes because I, I know, that a lot of times candidates are not used to that. And in today's day and age that, that we're doing these video interviews, sometimes clients are really sensitive about that because you have to on a day-to-day -day be on some video calls and communicating with people um, more so even than it might've been in, 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 a, in a live face-to-face -face environment where you might even close yourself off in a room or a cubicle, do some work and nobody would bother you. Yeah. But today, there's more sensitivity about that communication factor, the ability to communicate ideas and, and communicate things. So understand that you're coming into an interview, you're talking to people, right? And, and they want to hear who you are. And most of the time, we've done some groundwork beforehand to kind of help to help out, some prep work beforehand to help out. But understand you're talking to people. You want to be able to speak to the technology, but understand you're talking to people and, um, and, uh, and take that into consideration, right? Yeah, and I'm going to close this question out. Um, I want to follow on with what Christian said um, in that, no, you don't just read your resume because the client's already done that. Um, comedians have the concept of a tight 10. And back in the day when Johnny Carson was running The Tonight Show, Johnny would have on comedians and they got 10 minutes to do their act. So you had to be 
on spot and have your best material ready to go. So all year, comedians would try out new jokes and throw away jokes and try out new stuff. And if they made um, if they made the cut, they'd go in. But then they would start practicing this routine and practicing this routine until they had it down so they could go out and they had the timing right and everything. Now, I don't think that developers should have to develop a tight 10. But when asked about your experience or tell me about you, when somebody says, tell me about you, you should have an answer that you have already practiced. If they means you have to write it down so that you have uh, thought it through, then that's what it should take. Should be, you know, a minute or two. Mine runs a bit long, but as you can see, I'm a bit wordy. But I can tell you about my career in five minutes. And I, you know, when somebody asks me, I've got it in my head, I start the tape playing and I just run through it. We're all freelance developers. We're going to have to go through a lot more interviews than somebody who is at one company for a very long time. So you should have this material already ready, and it should be the stuff that's not in your resume, the, 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 the things you want people to really understand about you. Okay, um, let's go to the other side of that question. What's the one thing that you wish clients understood going into an interview? Carl, start us off. Yeah, so I think the client really, when they're putting together the requirements for the resources they're looking for, I think they should really understand what problem they're solving. Um, we get to deal with several startups, and you know, sometimes they don't quite know, you know, their own customers, right? And so, uh, to me, that needs to be to be known um, just even before. They talk to us. Um, they, you know, they tend to focus on the technical side of things, and you know, like I would like to know where that comes from. You know, where where's that? You know, like I'm, I'm I've been doing mostly Java, but I can I can do almost any stack because I've had to deal with not just one project but multiple projects at once. And so, you know, how do they arrive to to those technical requirements would be of interest to me. Um, you know. So basically, that's that's kind of what I hope that um, that they knew before going into an interview themselves. Very good, Julio. You got some thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree with Carl. That the first thing is that they should know what they want, and I would say that the second thing, very closely, is if possible, they should know the candidate also, because I think when you're hiring for a position and I do that also. You want to help the guy to stand out at what they're good, the guy or, or, or the woman, the candidate. So if you just start asking questions about topics that they don't really own, it will be hard for them to show what they, they are good at. And the, the client should know that they will not find the perfect candidate that has all the, the qualifying technical stuff. So they have to look for other stuff along and the best way to do that is to let the candidate talk about what they know. So you will you will learn the soft skills that they have. You will learn what they know that is similar to what you need and that you can also absorb. That, that would be my take on this. Very good. Christian, you got some thoughts? Yeah. Um, I would really like for clients to know that developers are not salespeople. They're, they're not usually good at selling themselves. And so when, you know, when someone comes across your desk 
and they don't fit the unicorn that you have in your mind, um, don't just, you know, push it away into the dustbin, you know, take a little extra time and, and, you know, turn a couple of pages in that book and see what's there and maybe be more willing to uh, talk to them and ask questions because, uh, you know, there's a lot of great talent that's just, you know, it's just, it, you have a different culture between, um, you know, unless in, in the client is also a developer, uh, in, yeah. in which case, um, in which case they should have an easier time of it. But if they're not, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's really hard to, um, you know, to, to make a good gut judgment about a developer when you're not part of that culture. And so exactly. you, you need to look a little bit closer and be a little bit more open-minded because um, some of the best talent, you know, does not look very impressive from a business perspective. Yep. I agree. Ben, talk to us. Yeah. Just a quick note is to understand that interview is a two-way street, right? Mm. It, it isn't just that you're the client is interviewing the, the, the candidate, the candidate is interviewing the client. That's a good point. This is, this is part of the process, right? If, me as a candidate, I want to know that I'm stepping into something that I'm going to enjoy and into a situation that, um, understands what they're doing, at least understands how the work process is. I want to know what I'm stepping into. And if I'm yeah. if if the client is not prepared to answer questions also about those things, that's also kind of a red flag as a developer. At least for the more experienced developers that are really looking for something specific and want to be in the right situation. If you want to land a good developer, yeah. then you have to understand that the interview process is a two-way street. Excellent point. David, yeah, let's let the boss man close us out. I want to close it out with expanding a little bit on what Ben is, has just said. It's a two-way street, and uh, as as your if you're a startup or someone just getting started with your small team and trying to bring some more talented people in, maybe you're you already have a couple of talented people that came from great companies, and you you want to tell your uh, the talent that's, that you're interviewing that that's where you're going for uh, that you're you're trying to build a great product something that is amazing that's going to change the market get them excited about it because you know what we have many great talents and it, there's a great chance that they're not just talking to you they're interviewing with lots of other clients as well because they go by really fast so if you don't do a good sales pitch about your company to the people that you're trying to bring in uh the chances that you get to hire them are, are, are very small so they um that's one of the things that i would say to our clients be really smart about selling your company like you would sell to a, um, a, a venture capital or an investor try to do that for your or uh, your talents you're trying to bring in as well mm. excellent gentlemen i want to thank you for taking the time to be with us here today um I, I, it's been thoroughly enjoying because there's a lot of new faces on the team and it's been wonderful for me to be able to get to know um, and get some insight on how your thought process works because we don't all get to talk to each other that much. I, I'm much more in the marketing side of things these days. So I have to deal with those people, which usually I usually tell people when I'm, in, you know, I'm working on marketing because I've got my beanie on with the propeller and everything. But thank you so much for taking the time to be here today to share with us your insights on how this process works. 
Audience, thank you for joining us today. I hope you found this both informative and interesting. Now, do me a favor. If you enjoyed what you saw, go out to whatever your favorite favorite podcatcher is and leave us a review. Leave us five thumbs, five stars, whatever um, the, the rating is. If there was something that we can do better, please drop me an email, cal at gun.io. I'd love to hear from you and um, love to be able to uh, make this podcast more meaningful to you. Thank you so much. We'll see you right here next week on The Frontier. Thanks for listening to The Frontier podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.